All right. A lot's been made about the U of A offense. Now let's break down the defense in full and maybe even talk a little bit of Arizona basketball. I know you guys generally like to hear about that. Let's get started here on Locked on Wildcats. You are locked on Wildcats. You are locked on Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats, and happy Wednesday to everyone out there. Hope you're all staying cool and having a good time. We are going to talk Arizona football again this show, and you know what? We might talk a little bit of Arizona men's basketball as well. Heck, we might talk a little bit of Arizona women's basketball. We'll see what we can get to, but there's no options that aren't on the table. All right. We talked a lot yesterday about uh, the football team and you know what to expect from them, especially on the offensive side of the football. Now it's time to get to the defense. And as everybody knows, basically since Dick Tomey, it seems, Arizona has struggled to put a consistent defensive product on the field. And the one thing about Dick Tomey's squads is that, yes, these weren't five-star caliber guys along the line, but he was able to get players that worked for him. He was able to get good fits that worked for him, and that's what made it unique. And that's why, you know, Arizona had that Desert Swarm defense of the mid-90s that pretty much was about as good as it came. So we're going to talk about We're going to talk a little bit about that, but... Let's first talk about the defensive personnel that showed during the Saturday scrimmage. And that first, first and foremost, we've got to talk about the defensive line. Now, some now some of these players played, some didn't, but we're talking about expectations and what to expect. So everything on the defensive line for Arizona revolves around Keon Bars. We've talked about that a ton. And nothing this spring or nothing this fall has uh, dissuaded me from that view. You watch Bars out there. And he's he's just a little bit different. Now, again, he wasn't a mega recruit coming out, but he's a player that, you know, you look at and you probably project playing on Sundays. Arizona has not had a lot of those players, <laughs> to put it mildly, at that position. And he needs to be a bulwark on that offense or on that defensive line. And I think you're going to see that. Now, at the pass rusher spots, you know, again, they look good. They look good in the scrimmage. They've looked good in camp so far. But what are Hunter Eccles and what are Jalen Harris going to be able to provide you? That's a big question that I think a lot of people have a, a lot of a lot of questions about. Um, you know, Jalen Harris again. He's had a very good camp. The coaches have talked about how he's had a very good camp. And you look at him, and he's six foot four, two hundred and thirty five, two hundred and forty. Heck, I mean, two hundred and fifty five pounds at this point. And he's incredibly well put together. Um, he looks like a guy that was born to play football or to do something athletically. Not surprisingly, his father was one of the uh, uh, was one of the bulwarks of the Desert Swarm, and I think it's hard to say. I think it's hard to sit here and say that this wasn't one of the best team, or excuse me, that he wasn't one of the best players to ever walk through here. Now, when it comes to uh, his son, 
obviously nobody's holding anybody to Sean Harris standard because with Sean Harris, you're talking about one of the best players that ever came through here, but Jalen Harris has a lot of potential. And if Jalen Harris can get seven, eight, nine sacks, I think everybody would love to see that because he certainly has that capability to him. Now with, uh, when it comes to the other part, you got Hunter Eccles defensive end out of a pass rusher out of USC. Again, I don't care that he didn't play at USC. As we've talked about, USC is a different animal entirely. And one thing about him is that he has been around the quarterback. Nothing in the scrimmage, nothing in practice has uh, done anything, I think, to indicate that he won't be able to be that guy. But again, kind of like with Jalen Harris, you gotta you gotta see it. Uh, you gotta see it on the football field first, and then. I think everybody's pretty excited to see what they can do. But those are those are your three linchpins right there. Those are the three guys that you're going to be counting on. Now, at the other positions, you got some other guys, obviously, on that line. You've got a Savea out of UCLA. Certainly a uh a a big guy, a four-star player out of Las Vegas initially, transferred here to be with Nansen and Fish. Um, if Paris Chan doesn't get that starting uh, tackle position, we've talked quite a bit about Paris here, then you'd have to think that Savea is the next man up there. But Paris Chan has looked good in practice. Athletically, he can do some things. And I think the coaching staff feels pretty good about his possibilities right there. Now, at uh, one player that we got to talk about, we haven't talked about as much, is... Jalen Harris's brother Jason, another guy that's looked pretty good during the uh, during camp, but he's also six foot eight. Um, you know, he he he's blessed athletically. Another one, a great kid. Um, but when you watch him, he's getting bigger, but he's got a basketball player's build. Um, and he's always going to have that. He's never going to be able to be six eight, three hundred and ten. I mean, that's just not the way that his body is constructed. That's not the way that his body is built. Um, but he can be 265 or 270 and if he can have some uh, if he can have some you know some bull rush slash you know quickness off the edge then you could see something there but we haven't seen it yet but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be there those are some guys right now on the defensive line to keep an eye on now moving to that linebacker core again we're it's to me it starts and stops with Jerry Roberts uh Jerry Roberts last year didn't play a ton but he also flashed in the Utah game, which is more than what we can say for the rest of the players because they're young, unproven, new, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Roberts had 10 or 10 sacks, had 10 tackles, uh, tackle and a half for loss and looked pretty good. Generally looked the part out there. So can he be that guy? Can he be that tackle machine? Can he be that hundred? Um, can he be that hundred plus tackles? It remains to be seen, but we're going to find out. And we're going to find out pretty quickly, I believe, whether that's the case or whether that's not. Um, then the other guys, totally unproven, but a lot of potential. Um, you look next to him. You've got a Malik Reed. Depending on what uh, football scouting service you looked at, he's either a th uh, he was a high three star, low four star prospect. Really good player, a lot of potential there, but hasn't done it yet. Big guy. We've talked about this before that if Jed Fish is going to miss, Jed Fish is going to miss big. And, um, again, Malik Reed, a big dude. Then the other two guys, Anthony Solomon, not nearly as big as them, but, um, again, an next four-star player instinctive out of Minnesota or, uh, Michigan. We'll find out where he is on the, uh, and where he could compete, but there certainly seems to be a role for him. And then Sterling lane. He, uh, 
you know, probably the highest rated player here, massive kid, six foot four, 235, 240 pounds. Um, freshman, I think the thing that you wonder with him is, is he going to be a pass rusher? Is he going to be a run stuffer? What is Lane's role going to be? And nobody knows that quite yet. He could be headed for a redshirt year. You got to remember that a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys here are, um, you know, you're, you're young, you're new. And especially if you weren't here for spring ball, you're a little bit behind right there. Now, Lane's an incredibly talented guy. I put nothing past him. I think he's going to have a great future. But right now, um, you might be looking at that fourth linebacker spot. All right. Now, looking at the secondary then, you've got – this is where it becomes fascinating because you got some new names that have emerged. But we need to talk about the veterans there first. And we're going to keep talking about him, but it starts and stops on and the safety position with – a Christian Young. The coaching staff is very high on Christian Young. They've talked about their expectations for him. They think that he can be a big physical guy there that can make plays in the passing game and make plays in the box. We'll find out how much of that's true and how much of that is optimism, but um, all accounts are they expect him to have a big year. And these guys, these coaches are there all day. They see the work ethic. They see the practice. And if they expect him to be there all year, then we're certainly looking at a guy who um, could, you know, put his name and put his numbers up some places, but certainly a guy to keep an eye on um, more so than maybe anybody else. Then at the safety positions too, he's going to be flanked by DJ Warnell from UCLA. And again, and Gunnar Maldonado, two guys that have been solid in camp. I'm not exactly sure, you know, if will that translate once the lights come on that remains to be seen, but so far they've looked solid in camp. Um, nobody's really looked out of place. And in the past, you've had a lot of teams, you've had a lot of uh, players that have looked out of place. Don't really know what to expect from either one of them. Both transfers. One's been here a year. One obviously just came in with Johnny Nansen. Um, but then the cornerback spots, I think, are where you find Arizona and where they're most intriguing. So, Christian Roland Wallace has one spot locked down. We know that he's going to be, he's not coming off the field. You've had, you know, multiple coaching staffs now that are big, big fans of Christian. And while he might not play in the NFL, he's a very good player. Um, not again, not great. Not going to ever be an all American, but very good. Now where, um, who lines up opposite him right now, you're probably looking at trade in Stukes. Stukes played very well last year, earned a scholarship kid out of Chandler. Um, some guys just have a knack for the ball for being able to break on the pass and trade in Stukes has certainly shown that he has that he's got to get healthy. He's dealing, uh, nursing some injuries right now, but you're hoping that he's ready to go in that game against San Diego state. And if he's ready to go in that game against San Diego state, you would certainly expect him to start now. Those, so those are the returnees, and again, it's funny talking about a trade in Stukes like he's a veteran upperclassman. He's only a soft, true sophomore. But I think everybody's a little intrigued by what you have at the in, in the reserve units, for lack of a better term. And we'll start with one reserve right now who I don't know that is the intriguing, but we still have to bring him up, is Isaiah Rutherford, ex-four-star, uh, or excuse me, a corner Notre Dame transfer, was given a start, not given, but earned a starting spot last year and quickly lost it. Um, just wasn't that good. Um, a lot of blown assignments, guys getting past him. You know the drill. 
Um, but he's back, and who knows? Maybe in another year he's going to be a little bit better. But the two guys to really keep an eye on, to really keep an eye on, are two Southern California kids. And one is Ephesians Prysock. Ephesians, like the uh, the book in the Bible, he cut checks in at about six foot two, one hundred and ninety pounds. Um, another ex UCLA decommit that Arizona was able to swoop in and get looks different. And we'll get to him. We'll circle back to him in just a moment. But then the other one to Cario Davis, another guy that not nearly as highly rated as price Hawk, but just looks different, looks the part in a different way. He looks even taller. He looks like he's six, three, six, four. I'm curious how tall he really is, but both those guys out there are next level looking corners. Um, they both look like they're Sunday players. They really do. And so with that unit, uh, with that unit in mind, those two guys, I think are going to push their way onto the field. I don't know that they're going to start. Cause again, it's very difficult for a defensive back in college football in these, this day and age to be able to start immediately, but these guys are going to play. And if you're telling me that they're both starting at corner next year, I don't think that anybody in the least bit would be surprised because they just look different. Again, tall, angular, can move. And again, Jed Fish has always talked about how if he's going to miss or if he's going to miss on a recruit, he's going to miss big. And he has certainly shown that to be the case. As far as the defense goes, I'm not nearly as optimistic about the defense as I am the offense. You know, we're just laying it to you straight right there. But there are some there's some real potential right there and there are some guys that you just need to be really good this year we're going to break them down even further here in just a second but we got an ad right now from the national highway uh, uh traffic and public safety you know when it comes to drinking and driving just don't do it you know we're we're in a day and age right now where everybody sees the results of drinking and driving and what happens to what can happen, you know, if you do make that uh, poor decision to go out there on the road right now, Ubers are cheap. It's not worth changing your life, having a life altering experience that you'll remember for the rest of your life. And on top of that, nobody's infallible from athletes to just regular citizens, whoever the case may be, you know, the drunk driving affects us all. It affects everybody that has been impacted by it. So again, you know, be safe. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have some drinks, seriously, just go um, get the Uber. That's what I do. You know what? It's eight bucks one way. It's seven bucks the other, whatever the case may be. That 15 bucks is a lot better than having to risk possibly getting, you know, somebody hurt, whatever the case may be. So again, don't drink and drive. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with you. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right. Now we broke down the defense, what we saw, sights and sounds from spring, or excuse me, from fall. I apologize. I need to punch myself in the face each time I say spring. Um, so, but now there's basically there, I think there's three players then on each on each line of the defense that um that have that have to stand out this year and that have to either be all conference or pushing their way into all conference for Arizona to really exceed expectations this year. And we'll, we'll start with the big guy again, circling back to Keon bars bars. Got to be that dude. He's a preseason second team, all conference player. And for good reason, we've talked about it before how he ended the year last year. 
Um, he sat out spring dealing with a little bit of an injury, but by all accounts, he is good. He's uh, good and ready to go. So if you can get five sacks again from that position, I mean, heck, I'd love to see more. If you can go on to go Ed Oliver on us and get 13 sacks, you go ahead and you do that. But it's, you've got to be, Bars has to be a player that commands the respect, that commands a double team pretty much every time out there. And if he does that, it makes everybody's job easier. You know, think about just the D tackle next to him. Oh, wait a second. Now, now I'm actually just being chipped and not being blocked head on. Or, you know, because of the, uh, uh, the prowess that he has right there, I'm able to jump in there. It becomes a lot easier at that point. So Bars has got to be that player, high expectations for him, but deservedly high expectations for him because of what he's shown that he can do. And again, we've talked about it. He's one of the most talented uh, down defensive linemen that this, uh, this program has seen in quite a while. So you need Bars to be all conference, period. Putting it out there, period, point blank, then moving on to the linebacking core, it's kind of a domino effect, as you see. If Bars is that player, then it becomes a lot easier then for your linebackers, especially because you're going to be dealing with a 4-2-5 alignment. So you're only going to have a couple linebackers out there. And again, Christian Young at times will probably be in there as well. But it's got to be Jerry Roberts, in my opinion. It's got to be that dude. Jerry Roberts has to be hovering around 100 tackles. Um and again, he should have a decent line in front of him to be able to keep line uh, to be able to keep linemen off of him. He's got to be that guy because I, I don't want to see Christian Young getting 15 tackles a game because we all know that if you're a safety and you're getting 15 tackles a game, that's probably not a very good defense right there. So Jerry Roberts has to be that guy, and I think that the coaches expect him to be that guy. Now again, it's totally, it you know, it, just like everybody else that hasn't really shown it yet. You got to see it on the field, but I think Roberts has to be that player. Let's talk about Christian Young in just a second. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, now we're just talking about the highlight players of each uh, on each side or on each level of the defense. And now we're at safety, and that's Christian Young. Arizona hasn't had a real game-changing type player in the secondary in a while. And it would be, it would make everybody's job from the DBs to the safeties. It would make everybody's job so much easier if Christian Young can be that guy. And I don't think that there's any reason why he can't. Again, coaches, gen coaches don't talk up bad players. So, because they know what, what it means. So Christian Young's been talked up, was brought to media day and he's got to be in the box making plays, but he's also got to be cracking in the back end of the, uh, on the, of the defensive, uh, alignment. He's got to be that guy all over. My ideal stat line for Christian young is six or seven tackles, um, from being in the box, a tackle for loss, a pass deflection, and a couple drop passes because people see him coming in the distance. He's, but if, so that's, that's the three right there with Keon bars, anchoring the D line with Jerry Roberts, hopefully anchoring the linebacking unit. And then at the defensive back position, uh, everything kind of running off Christian young. That's how an ideal season could play out for Arizona. So wanted to break that one down for you. 
We will be back with you tomorrow. Obviously, we're going game or day by day. We're probably going to take a little break from football, and we're going to talk a little bit of Arizona men's basketball, really kind of dive into the uh, the nooks and crannies of what's going on there. Obviously, everybody's back on campus practicing. Almost, well, almost everybody. So there's a lot to get to. But again, everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. As always, nothing goes without you all. You have been listening to the Locked on Wildcats podcast.